Well, good morning. 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 So I get to be younger than you for two months now. That is pretty cool. Thankful for that. Um, today, we're, this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and, and I want to talk a little bit about thanks and praise and, and what that means to us and kind of how that fits into our world. So if you would, let's just go to the Lord in prayer here to begin. Oh, Father God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to come together and worship you and praise you, Lord, to spend time in fellowship and get into your word. And I, I pray, Lord, that you give me the words that you want spoken and that our hearts and our minds and our ears can hear these things, take them in and make it part of who we are. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Normally, when we think about Thanksgiving, these are the things we think about. You know, we got turkey. I haven't researched why certain foods are Thanksgiving foods, why turkey, but ham. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas is ham, turkey, Thanksgiving. I ham all the time, but yeah. Um, you know, the, the little, I remember doing little Thanksgiving plays when we were kids and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if any of it is factual whatsoever, uh, but we did them that way. And I love the little, the Thanksgiving Peanuts Thanksgiving with Snoopy has always been fun for me. And then, of course, there's always that big debate on cranberries. Do you do the jelly or do you do the cranberry sauce? There's a big debate there. Kids always seem to like the sauce. I like the, or the, the jelly. I like the sauce. Uh, whatever. I want to talk a little bit about the history here, though. The history of Thanksgiving it started in on November 26, 1789. George Washington declared a day of public prayer and thanksgiving. Oh. That was the first time when George Washington did that. 1864, then, it comes back. Abraham Lincoln designates the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and prayer. Now, in 1870, six years later, Congress makes it a national holiday, along with Christmas, New Year's, and the 4th of July. The difference with Thanksgiving was Christmas was always on the 25th, New Year's, obviously, always January 1st. Fourth of July is Fourth of July. Thanksgiving was <clears throat> left to the president to choose what day it was. So in uh, 1939 and in 1940, Franklin Delano Roosevelt backed it up to the third Thursday because he wanted to have a longer shopping period. Fourth. He backed it to the third. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. He backed it up <laughs> Sorry. Because he wanted a longer Holiday shopping season. That's not a new thing for us, The people are skipping Thanksgiving. <coughs> Congress wasn't happy with that, and in 1941, they officially, uh, there was an act of Congress that officially made Thanksgiving the, the last Thursday of November. Oh, it's the fourth. Which is the fourth. Yes, no, sometimes the if there's Thursday. five Thanksgivings. Okay, then... the fourth. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Gabby, you're a bad influence. <laughs> I want to read what Lincoln said because when I'm researching this, um, I was going. I looked at stuff in the Smithsonian and the uh, Library of Congress and all that stuff. They said that in 1864 Lincoln designated a day of Thanksgiving. But I want to read you what he said. I've got the proclamation from Lincoln right here. It's a proclamation. It has pleased Almighty God to prolong our national life another year, defending us with his guardian care against unfriendly designs from abroad and vouchsafing to us his mercy, in his mercy many and signal victories over the enemy, 
who is of our own household. It has also pleased our Heavenly Father to favor as well our citizens in their homes as our soldiers in their camps and our sailors on the rivers and seas with unusual health. He has largely augmented our free population by emancipation and by immigration. While he has opened to us new sources of wealth and has crowned the labor of our working men in every department of industry with abundant rewards. Moreover, he has pleased to animate and inspire our minds and hearts with fortitude, courage, and resolution sufficient for, for the great trial of civil war into which we have been brought by our adherence as a nation to the cause of freedom and humanity and to afford us reasonable hopes of an ultimate and happy deliverance from all dangers and afflictions. Now, therefore, I, Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States, do hereby appoint and set apart the last Thursday in November next as a day which I desire to be observed by all my fellow citizens, wherever they may then be, as a day of thanksgiving and praise to Almighty God, the, benefit, the beneficent creator and ruler of the universe. I do further recommend to my fellow citizens aforesaid that on that occasion they do reverently humble themselves in the dust and from thence offer penitent and fervent prayers and supplications to the great disposer of events for a return of the inestimable blessings of peace, union, and harmony throughout the land which it has pleased him to assign as a dwelling place for ourselves and for our posterity throughout all generations. In testimony whereof I hereunto set my hand and seal, cause the seal of the United States to be affixed. Done at the city of Washington this 20th day of October, A.D. 1864, and of the independence of the United States, the 89th. Amen. Wow. Amen. Wouldn't it be cool to hear a president say that? This wasn't just, oh, this is a day of thanksgiving. Oh, no. This is a day of thanking God. Amen. And he said, I want everybody to do it, and I want you to get on your face and on your knees and pray for thanksgiving. And pray, this is in the middle of a civil war. Wow. Pray for peace and unity. That's a powerful thing for a president to say. And I don't know if we'd ever hear that again in our country. But it tells you some of the things when people say our founding fathers weren't Christian. Read what they write. Read what they say. It's completely different. And that's a history thing for me. I love to read those speeches. But I want to go into the word now. <coughs> And I'm going to go in, this is kind of small because it's a long passage, but bear with me on this. This is John 6, 25 through 35. To set the stage here, this is right after Jesus fed the 5,000. And then he left, and they followed him. People were following him around. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me for me. Not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give us, give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God 
is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I got some challenges with the people here, and so did Jesus. In the, in the following passages, he talks about um, some of the challenges here. These people are following him because he fed them. And they want bread. That's it. He took five loaves and fed them, and all they remember is they got a good meal out of it. And they're following him around saying, hey, we want some more bread. And he tells them there's bread that's more important. And they miss it. They say, well, well, give us this bread. Make sure we have it all the time. He said, wait a minute, you're not getting it. And he said, this is, this is the bread of life. And he calls himself the bread of life here. And they ask him, well, what sign are you going to give us? Show us something. Entertain us. What's your magic involved here? Do a magic trick so we can believe you. What more do you need to believe? You already did it. But they still come and want more. They want to be entertained. The, the Romans called it bread and circuses. Nero said, as long as I take the mobs who were threatening him because a large portion of Rome burned down, he blamed it on the Christians eventually. But some historians think he burned it down because he wanted to build a new Colosseum. So he burned down the poor part of town, which was made out of wood. And because of that, people there was mobs coming up, and they were getting upset. And he said, as long as I entertain them, and I feed them bread and circuses. Circuses were, were the entertainment of the day. Bread and circuses, they won't care. They won't care about anything as long as they're fed and entertained. I look at our country. We're going into Thanksgiving. More people are worried about Black Friday than Thanksgiving on Thursday. In our country, we have completely forgotten all of these things that Abe Lincoln talked about. We have completely forgotten the concept behind why we were formed as a country. We have forgotten the blessings that we have. Not only at the best, most Americans are indifferent to the blessings we have. At the worst, they refuse to, to acknowledge the fact that they should have to thank someone for it. They don't want to have to bow the knee to anybody. They, they shouldn't have to thank anybody. We're self-made. Baloney. There's nothing in the world that is self-made. God gave us this country, and we have walked away from it. And Thanksgiving is supposed to be our time to thank Him. That's what it's for. It's for thanking God. So let's talk a little bit about that. I want to talk, uh, I want to go into Psalm 100. If you want to see thanks, go to Psalms. You want to see someone who understood thankfulness, go to David's Psalms. Those Psalms are songs. By definition, that's what a psalm is. It's a song. These are worship songs that David wrote. Beautiful poetry, but he wrote them as praise to God and thanks to God. So here's Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God, it is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. 
His faithfulness continues through all generations. I went back into that statement from Lincoln. He said, we have received this from God for our posterity, for all the generations following us. He understood. We forget. He understood. So in this short little psalm of David here, Psalm 100, it's just five verses. That's the entire psalm. But that sounds like one of the songs we sing right out of our hymnal. I want to dig into that a little bit and figure out how we can apply this to our lives to truly show the thankfulness that we are asked to give. This is, this is what we give back from what we have received. Our salvation had nothing to do with us. We didn't earn it, so we can't say, I deserve it. So if you receive something you don't deserve, what is that? That is a gift. And when you are given a gift, you should be thanking the person giving you the gift. And the gift of salvation is the ultimate gift. Because it costs so much. And because it was something we couldn't ever get for ourselves. So let's talk about applying thankfulness to our lives. So we're going to take a little chunk out of that Psalm 100. Psalm 101 and 2. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Worship is not, a, it's not an option for us as Christians. When we sing, when we sing at the beginning here, we pick those, those songs out of there and we sing those things. Listen to the words. Listen to what was, what was said there. Claudine picks out Count Your Blessings, first song, right off the bat. Everybody knows that one. Jan started clapping. We didn't pick up on the clapping, but Jan was clapping a little bit with it. That's something we learned from a very young age. We're supposed to count our blessings. When we do VBS, every year that I've been in here helping, we have them look for Jesus sightings. So when you come back tomorrow, tell me where you think you saw Jesus. In your life and things that you encounter, what do you find? We tell the kids that all the time. Sometimes we forget, as adults, to count our blessings. To count what's important to us that we receive from God. Because everything we get, we receive from God. Hebrews 12, 28-29 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably, with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Therefore, since we are receiving something, let us be thankful and worship Him. That's our praise, that's our worship, that's our song. I love to tell the story. That's what we're talking about here. These things that we talk about, um, when, we talk, when we're talking worship, that should be a heartfelt thing. Now, I can tell you, growing up Catholic, um, I could probably still go to a Catholic Mass, and there's so many things that you just say over and over again. It's just rote. You stand there, and everybody mumbles it. You can, I could still go there and mumble all those things. But I guarantee you, nobody ever told me that should come from my heart. It's just something you should say. And it comes out, and we, wrote, we mumble it out, and it comes out, and that's enough. It's not. It's not enough for our worship to be, well, just mumbling along and following the songs. No. Our worship needs to be heartfelt from the, from the depth of your soul. You should understand the worship that is required and necessary from you to God. 
That's part of our thanks. It's not enough to say, yeah, well, thanks. You know, somebody gave you that ugly tie that doesn't work or that sweater that doesn't fit for Christmas. Yeah, thanks. Uh, can't wait till I go to hospice and drop this off. No, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. That's not the worship we should have. Our worship should be heartfelt. Psalm 69.30 says, I will praise God's name in song and glorify Him with thanksgiving. There you go. Song and thanksgiving. That's worship. Psalm 86.12, I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. I challenge everybody in here this week. I want you to get into the Word. I want you to get into your Bible. I want you to open it up to Psalms and find one that speaks to you and from you. Find one psalm that you can read that means something to you. And use that as your song of praise to God. Find a psalm. Just one. There's plenty of them. Pick one. There's so many that we know by heart. Look for a different one. Find one. Because David speaks so eloquently in the psalms. And some of the other writers in psalms do also. <coughs> Not all of them were written by David. Some are Psalms of Asaph and others. But get into Psalms and look and find that worship, that song, that one that sticks in your mind and sticks in your heart. Write it down. Write it down on, on a piece of paper and get a piece of tape or get a post-it note and put it somewhere in your house that you go by a lot. Put it on the mirror in the bathroom. Every time you're brushing your teeth, you're praising God because you're going to read through that again when it's sick. Put it on the... The kitchen window right at the sink. If you're doing dishes, it's there. Put it on the steering wheel of your tractor so when you go out and feed your cows, you can be praising God right there. Take one of those psalms and use it as a worship. Use it for your worship this week. Find one this afternoon and spend the week in worship of God. The second application here, we need to know God. Psalm 100, again, going back just to verse 3, it says, Know that the Lord is God. It's He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. David likes to use the sheep thing a lot. Because he was a shepherd, it relates to what he knows. He knows it personally. But he says, we need to know that the Lord is God. You can say it, and that's not good enough. You need to know that the Lord is God. You need to know that God is in control of everything in your life. We pray to God because we know that He's going to answer us because He's listening. Okay, well, that's why we have a prayer list here at church. That's why we do those things. But we also need to remember that every single moment, every single, t every single tick of the clock in your entire life, every heartbeat, God is here. God is with us, and He is who He is. And we are who we are. We need to know Him personally. One way to do that, get into your word. Get in there and dig around in it. Listen, because he speaks through his word. That's why it's called the word of God, because he speaks there. So if you want to know him, get into the word and listen. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. I look back there right now and I see someone taking refuge. I see two particular <coughs> refuges right now. Zoe's mom's arm is around her right now. It's a comfortable place. If you've ever had chickens with little chicks, where do they hide? 
They find their refuge getting close to mom. There's another one back there tucked in a little wrap there. You can't even see him. That's his refuge. That's his safe place. We're supposed to do that with God. That's supposed to be where we go with God. And there is a time in your day, every single day, there will be one time in your day where you need refuge. Where you need some place to go. Look to God. He's there. He's waiting for you. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. All that worship we just talked about, use that worship to know God better. Use that worship to get more in tune with Him. We sit here every Sunday, I come up here and I give a sermon. I get into the Word and I ask God to tell me what He wants you to hear. And then afterwards, we sit back there at Sunday school, and we talk. And the little ones can go to Sunday school, and they talk. And we spend time in fellowship. We get into Bible studies. We share with each other. We learn from each other. This is all part of knowing God. And this is something we should do more of. We should be getting into the Word more, and we should be getting into the Word collectively. It means something when we learn together. It's easier for us to do those things together sometimes. Yes, study the Word on your own. But also seek out other like-minded Christians that you can sit down and study with. And listen to what people have to say. Because God will speak through other people too. It's a huge blessing to have that ability to do that. Don't waste it. Use it. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition... With thanksgiving, there's that word again, present your request to God. So if we know him, we talk to him. That's what it says. Talk to me. Everything. Don't worry about anything. But in every situation, talk to me. God says, talk to me. Bring it to me. Tell me about it. I'm listening. If you know God, you know he's listening to prayer. So no matter what's going on, pray about it because God is listening. That's another way to know who he is. Oh boy, there's that big R word again. Relationship. Knowing God is one thing. A lot of things acknowledge God's existence. Even the demons acknowledge that God exists. Satan acknowledges that God exists. But it's different for us because we have a relationship with we have the ability through the blood of Christ to have a personal, intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. Think about that concept. And if we're allowed to have that relationship, should we not honor that relationship by getting to know that person better? And that's God. We need to know more about him and, and form a relationship. Psalm 28.7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. Again, David bringing, bringing worship songs into everything. I mean, he, would have been, he would have been winning all the double awards, I guarantee it. He would have been the top of all popular praise music if he, was, if he was a contemporary worship leader right now. But this is part of that relationship. Know that God is your strength. Not me, it's him. I can always hide behind God. I can always use Him. And my heart trusts Him. And He helps me. My heart trusts Him. That's a relationship. 
When you trust someone, you have a relationship with them. When you don't trust them, but you know them, that's an acquaintance. God says, I want a relationship. I don't want you to know a little and not know me. There's a, there are theology professors in seminaries all across this country who can quote Bible and verse and chapter and everything out of here and have no belief whatsoever in God because they don't have the relationship. Each one of us has that opportunity and has that ability and has that responsibility. We cannot let someone else have a relationship with God for us. It doesn't matter that I'm standing up here. That was one other thing I had problem with when you get to the to liturgical churches. The pastor does it for you, or the preacher does it for you, or the priest does it for you, and you just show up and he tells you what you're supposed to know when you go home. Well, back in the Middle Ages when nobody could read, maybe that was okay. Guess what? Everybody in this room can read. The only one that has an excuse right now is Jaden. Everybody else can read. If they can't read, they can listen. And we should be teaching those, those little ones. We should be raising them up to know God. That's why Sunday school is important. That's why getting together and, and talking about God at home is important. It's an important thing that they get raised from an early age to understand that God listens to them. That God is listening when you speak. This morning, Jane had a, had a little face meeting with our grandson and he prayed for her to get over a cold. How cool is that? I got a three-year-old praying for you. you think God's listening? I think he is. That little guy when he prays, he's so cute. He squinches his eyes shut like as tight as he can get them when he prays. He folds his hands and just crushes his eyes shut. There's power in prayer. And there's power in prayer for each and every one of us. God wants that relationship with us and part of that is realizing that he's listening. He helps us. Colossians 4.2 Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. There it is again. So why are we thankful about prayer? What makes that something we should be thankful for? Having God by our side. There you go. Having God by your side. Having God listen to you. He doesn't have to. There's nothing that says he has to listen but he does, and he wants to. There's nothing that says he needs to speak to us. There's no rule that he has to follow. It's a choice God made that he wants us. God so loved the world, he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, because he wants us. So we should be thankful for the fact that God, who doesn't have to, does listen, and does walk with us. We serve a risen Savior. He walks with us. He's alive and well right now, right here. And we've been studying Revelation. We know he's coming back. But between now and that period of time, when Jesus comes back again, we have the ability to build a relationship with him. That's something to be thankful for. All right, last application I'm going to pull up here is proclamation. Okay? So I had worship. I had knowledge. We need, to, we need to praise him. We need to know him. And then proclamation. I just read that proclamation from Abraham Lincoln. What, did, what was that all about? Well, in that proclamation, Abraham Lincoln said what he believed. 
He brought forth what he thought was the truth. In doing so, he revealed that he believed in God. And that prayer was powerful to him. And it was important to him. And it was necessary for the health of our country. That's what he proclaimed. So in Psalm 104-5, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. He is always here through any generation. There is nothing more that I want than to have my grandchildren have an intimate relationship with God. In my life, that is the greatest desire I have. If everything else falls apart but that happens, I'm a happy man. That's all I want. I want my children. I want my children to embrace God and understand God. Know Him. To praise Him. That's, what I, that's, that's what's most important to me. So if we look at that, what do I do about it? It's important to you. What do you do about it? You talk about it. You make sure that everybody knows how you feel. You tell the old, old story again and again and again. Seeing a little one come up and tell you about Noah's Ark. Like we saw, was it last week we had Noah's Ark in a coloring book? That was awesome. It was awesome. I love to hear the story from them. I love to hear, hear, hear what they learned come back. We need to be proclaiming the glory of God. We need to tell the story. We need to, we need to be speaking out loud. Knowing Him is great. Worshiping Him is great. Those things are necessary. But we cannot keep it in and keep our mouths shut. That's the other part of thankfulness and gratefulness, is you let people know that you're thankful. That's a powerful thing. If you got a really nice gift from somebody, like a, a coat or something like that, and somebody said, oh, boy, that's a nice coat. Yeah, I got this from right away. We'd be thanking that, we'd be, we'd be proclaiming who gave it to us. We have salvation through Jesus Christ. Why would we not proclaim that? First Peter 2 9 but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light when you accept Christ and you are accepted into his family and you become a child of God you are then called to do this we are a people of his possession so that we may proclaim His excellence, that we may tell other people. Fulfilling our mission here on earth is taking as many people with us as we can when we go. That's it. That is it. The best funeral I have ever been to in my life was from a little widow lady that we had in our church. She'd been a school teacher all her life, and she was the tiniest little bird of a woman. I mean, she was, she was Velma's size. Tiny little lady. Oh, but she was fierce. She was fierce. And when she knew that she was dying, she knew that her time was short. She went to our pastor and she said, I want to tell you what my funeral is going to be like. And she had it laid out. She had the songs. She had everything. She basically wrote his sermon for him. That's not normal. Well, you know, you can... 
She said, my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids are going to be there, and this is the last time they're going to hear my voice say, this is what you need to do, and this is Jesus Christ, and this is, this is what he does for me, and this is what he'll do for you. That was, she said, it's my last chance to talk to the people that I love, and some of them have not accepted Christ yet, and I want my last words to be, you need to know Jesus. That's a powerful funeral. When that's what the focus is upon. Didn't focus on her, didn't focus on, on, on her life or anything. And she was a wonderful woman, but she said, no, I want my funeral to be Jesus. Because I, from my last breath, that's what's important. Because I love, I want to proclaim. Because I know, I want to share. Acts 10.35 says, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. We have received so much. We have received so much. In that, we need to be generous in giving. Our salvation is something that is not diminished whatsoever by sharing it with someone else. That's one of the amazing things. Nothing changes. You can give away everything. You can tell and proclaim to everybody in the world. And they can accept it. And it doesn't diminish yours at all. Our salvation stays full no matter what happens. So we need to reach out and grab a hold of that and understand that in our thankfulness, and in our worship, and in our praise, and in our knowledge, and in our relationship, we need to be proclaiming who God is, and what He's done for us. There's so many opportunities to do that. Jane and I were just talking about that this week. I don't think there's a Christian in this world who's ever, who's not had a situation where you walk away, and five minutes later you go, that's what I should have said. Sometimes we say that if we're in an argument with somebody too. But it also happens when God opens a door for us. There's times when the door's been opened and I've walked away from it. And then afterwards realized, God left a great big open door for me to talk about him right there. And I didn't say anything. It's a learned thing. You learn how to proclaim God. You learn to do these things. It takes effort. It takes a little work. It takes a little work to worship God. You know what? Forget the bread and circuses for a while. Talk to God instead. Shut off the television. Don't look at the phone. Shut it off. Put it in another room. Pretend you lost it. Talk to God. Get into Word. Get into your Bible. Learn to love God. Learn to worship. Learn to have a relationship. And learn to share. Because God will continually open those doors. He'll give you the option. I remember uh, I was talking to, I believe it was at the State Fair. The Baptist Convention usually has a attempt at the State Fair. And I said, okay, what do you guys say? I was curious. I said, what do you say? Someone comes in, and we got all these people. He said, well, we all really worked at a two-minute testimony about our own lives. In two minutes, because we don't want to lose our attention. But in two minutes... Someone walks in and says, what are you guys doing? Let me tell you. Let me tell you about my life and what Jesus has done in my life. That is the greatest way 
you can share God with someone else. Because you're sharing from personal experience. When David talks about sheep and shepherds, he's talking from personal experience. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's talking from experience. He understands the complete dependence of the sheep upon the shepherd. It's the same with us. So if someone asks you today, tell me your story with Jesus. Could you tell your story? If not, practice it. Because the time will come when that opportunity will arise. And you need to be able to defend your faith. Peter says, you always be ready to defend the joy that you have. Why are you happy? Well, let me tell you why I'm happy. I was a sinner. I was lost beyond anything else. I was in the darkest place in my life. And Christ opened the door and, and became the brightest light in my life. And I walked through that door and never gone back. And let me tell you what it did for me. That's a short little thing. People want to hear. They like stories. They want to hear those things. They want to hear about the transformational power of Jesus Christ. Don't preach at him. Talk to him. That proclamation from Abraham Lincoln touched me deeply because of how he said we should be thanking God. How he said. I want to bring that back out. I want to bring just that little, just that little bit of a passage back. And this is this is the president of the United States at this time. I do further recommend to my fellow citizens aforesaid that it, and on that occasion they do reverently humble themselves in the dust and from thence offer penitent and fervent prayers and supplications to the great disposer of events for a return of the inestimable blessings of peace, union, and harmony throughout the land. Wow. Now take a look at the world around us. Take a look at our country today. Let's put that into play today. Let's put this Thanksgiving prayer that Lincoln was talking about into our lexicon today. Are we not a divided country? Are we not rapidly rolling down the hill in the wrong direction? We are, we are base. We are defiled. We are terrible right now. There's a lot of problems. And Lincoln said, get on your knees and from that position. When you get in the dust, when you understand who you are, and you get to the level where you need to be, then you go to God and you say, hey, you're the only thing that can fix it. So as we get into this time where we share fellowship with family, and we eat too much turkey, and we watch football, because my Vikings are on Thursday night, those of you that want to watch a real football team, that's when they play. My Vikings are on Thursday night, and I will probably be watching football. But I will be praising God. I will be praising God all day long. Win or lose. I will be praising God. I will be praising God when I sit around a table with my, my family and the friends that come and join us on Thanksgiving. Not all of my family will be there. Just the ones that are there every day. And Pete. And Pete. And Pete. We'll be bringing Pete back. And I will thank God for Pete that I brought him home and I get, to, I get to spend that time with him. I'm grateful for that. I thank God every day for my wife and I'll thank her even more so. Think about the blessings. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. Let's pray. 
Father, I thank you so much for your word, Lord, and I thank you also that there were those that went before us to give us examples, to testify, to proclaim to us. We read the words of a president of the United States praying fervently to you, the creator of the universe, Lord. And we can take those things and, and put those into perspective. We can take that proclamation and learn from it, to learn how you want us to do, how you want our country to live, how you want us to be as, a, as, a, as children of God, as a family of God, how we should act. And Lord, I pray that this week we spend time in worship. We spend time getting to know you better. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in your word. And also, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us, Father, spends time in worship. Proclaiming you. Sharing you with the world. Lay your hands and feet. Give us the courage and the strength to go out and do what we need to do. To be who we need to be. In thankfulness and gratefulness for all that you've done for us. I ask these things through Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.